We've all been there. We were taken in by the schmick advertising, the snazzy design, and the bells and whistles. And then we buy the thing. And when it's delivered and we unwrap the layers of shiny paper, dig through a giant box of those puffy polystyrene doodahs, and we find, well, a sock in a box. And all that puff and prettiness for something that is so absolutely ordinary. And this happens with copywriters too. Too often we focus on the exterior, the marketing, the pizzazz, and forget what really matters. In this episode, Belinda and I are going to dig deep into the topic of whether your copywriting business is in fact a sock in a box. Press your ears a little closer to the speaker. This one is going to be a doozy. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about, you guessed it, copywriting. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School, an online hub for all things copywriting with courses, jobs, community, a directory and more. And with me is my delicious co-host, Belinda Weaver. Hello there. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter as well. My business is Copyright Matters. And that's where you can find all sorts of courses, coaching and content. Hurrah. Now, we've it's a bit of a change of tack this week. I'm going off script as well, so I can see Belinda starting to sweat. She always gets funny when I go. <laughs> because we've we've been doing a lot of solo interviews lately, and I think we should probably uh, cover off why we've been doing that, because a few people have emailed us and, and said, oh, we miss you doing shows together. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll be honest that um, running a podcast like this is a lot of work. You know, it, it takes a lot of time to pull together the, the content and come up with ideas and then to record it, get it edited, code the blog, do the email. <gasps> it's a lot of work. And mm. Belinda and I are quite busy people. So we kind of copped out a little bit and did a few separate ones. Also, well, it's also the time, time zones. Time oh. zones. Yeah. God. When we have international guests, it's usually three time zones to juggle. And it means one of us has to get up in the middle of the night. And when we have small humans as well, sometimes we go, I'm afraid not, but we decided to come back and the keen ears amongst some of you will notice that this episode is actually a day late and we decided to actually put it out a day late and do it together because we've kind of missed each other too. We have. We have. We've missed each other. Um, And, you know, we realised that one of the things you like about the show is is the banter between us and all that kind of stuff. So we will still be doing some solo interviews. The other reason why we often do uh, solo interviews is three-way it, uh, two's a couple, two's a crowd. Wow. Three's a, this is going to get weird. Couple, three, oh. three ways are complicated, everyone. They are. Someone's always left out. Someone's <laughs> always sat at the edge watching. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so Belinda just felt like she wasn't getting her toes sucked sufficiently. I wasn't getting me. any action. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how, I, I don't, this is why we don't go off script. Quick, <laughs> let's get back to the script. But also this box. is... Sock in a box. Um, and this is, uh, uh, I've just loved the title. We came up with the title first. Um, yeah. And then and we thought, diff- we, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> Socks and boxes. So it's a little bit different to our usual uh, title. Um, yeah. And, and even when we've shared it, because we accidentally shared it on social media before it was ready as well, because we're yeah. that at social media. Um, people have been quite intrigued by the title. Um, yeah. So pretty cool. Shall we explain what it means? Yeah. Let's do it. 
Okay, cool. So what I was talking about when I came, when I kind of bought this to Belinda and said, can we do this episode? Was I've noticed a trend recently for super snazzy copywriters. Uh, gone are the days when a dodgy website with a picture taken by your cousin at a wedding will suffice. These days, copywriters are really taking their branding seriously, especially those goddamned American copywriters. They're so snazzy. Um, and the truth is that Belinda and I, you know, if these guys are like the sort of champagne of, of, of copywriting, I think Belinda and I are like the Fanta or, or like, I don't know, the broccoli of copywriting. We're not oh, that cool. No, I, I think, you know, put us at Corona Premium. Okay, cool. I don't know what I am. I'm, yeah. Um, but I think when we both started out, I think I'll talk about mine first because mine was pretty poor. My first website was just a black background with flames on it, which is really cool. Because even which back then, I, I was a hot, I was a hot copywriter. Even then, it looked like it looked like a Masonic lodge uh, website. It was very, <laughs> very, very peculiar. Um, I didn't put a lot of thought into my brand. I got a logo made by a friend. I used a picture that had been taken at work. Um, I picked like some odd colors, got a basic WordPress template. I didn't have a point of difference or a USP or values or a tone of voice or a color palette or a <laughs> nothing. Add uh, nothing. But yours was a bit cool. Yours was brown. That's oh, that's actually my second website. Okay. My, my first website was red, was very red. Cool. And the font was Korean New. Oh, nice. Because I thought I want it to feel like a newspaper because I'm a writer and I'm, you know, that was, that was my idea, which is clearly why I'm not a designer and I should never be put in charge of designy stuff because I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, the, so the brown one with, uh, with my Elvis quiff, that was in my Elvis quiff years. Um, I miss those. I miss those years. I miss the quiff. I like the quiff. I would, yeah. Bring back, hashtag bring back the quiff. Bring back the quiff. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that was my first ep- the website that I paid someone else to do. And yeah, it was, it was very brown. Experience. It was really brown. It was very brown. Um, there was a lot of talk about the background, but it was one of those. I was that client who said, "I don't like it, but I can't tell you why I don't like it. Can you just oh, give me more those. things?" Um, but I found the whole experience terrifying because they asked me lots of questions, like we ask mm. our clients. Oh God, don't and you I, hate it when people make you fill out a brief? Like, oh, just do it. Can't you just do it? Like, I want to like this person's. Copy this person, but change it to brown. You know yeah. why they went with brown? It's because no color goes with ginger. And that was your problem. You see, they should have, because of your photo with the quiff, brown was the only, they were trying to find shades of ging. I think that yeah, was maybe. maybe. I <laughs> but I remember that one. And now it's all, now yours is a bit more snazzy. Mine got a bit more snazzy as time went on. I got like this 1950s picture of myself biting a pen. Oh, I um, love that one. That's on your book good. cover, right? No, yeah. That, that, so I had a sh- photo shoot with a, brand, a photographer called Sherbert Birdie. I wrote their website as a contra to get the photos. And then I've got the cover of the book, which is me like lying with my legs in the air. In reality, someone was holding those legs and were for- photoshopped out because I had no stomach muscles whatsoever. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> um, and then I had, then I moved into sort of cartoons, a sort of goggle-eyed cartoon that you can see somewhere. And then I kind of went, I've written here, I, I had slightly whack copy, but I think I meant slightly wacky copy. Um, and so I started to develop a tone of voice mm. and that kind of became my, my brand was like but still it makes no sense like cartoons 1950s and wackiness there's no there's no real thought gone into there how did yours evolve well a, a similar kind of thing where I just went oh I like that I love that um yeah. so yeah I started off with the newspaper and Korean you and then I went to the kind of more retro 
that was part of my brief. I was like, I've got, I've got this, I want this kind of retro feel to it. Um, with a lobster font, love a lobster font. Um, and then, and then I got to the point where I was like, you know what, this is visually very busy. And my brief to the next design was, I need this to be cleaner. I want more white. And that's basically because I wanted the words to do more talking. And that really reflects how confident, well, not how confident, but the, the level of confidence I had where I was, you know, saying, I don't want it to be a schmicky design. You can just have a few colours and the rest can be white. Because my words are so powerful. Oh, yes. I actually know what I'm doing a little now. <laughs> yeah, I still don't. But, um, and I think the other thing that I've noticed is... Uh, documentation yeah because mm. obviously Belinda and I work with a lot of, of copywriters and um, you know Belinda has templates that she provides with her membership and I sell my templates in my shop and they're pretty basic yeah they're all of mine are kind of word documents they're very functional and um, they're ones I've used for years and years but I've noticed that um, other copywriters are now doing like these super sexy proposals with like fully designed covers and like you know the text is not just in a box, it's it's smeared across a paint background and the other bit of text is on a white brick wall, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, mine were just a Word document with a logo on. And, and saved as a PDF with my contact yeah. details in the yeah. footer. I know some people like Google Drive, but it shits me to tears. There we go. Yeah. This episode is now explicit. Remember to put the E on, Belinda. <laughs> um, and I guess this for me is, is kind of where the sock in the box Thing came from really. It really starts here, yeah. Yeah, because your, yours are the same. You, you, yours are. Yeah, I have, um, and uh, very much like we talked about our copy decks in a recent episode. Um, it's a similar kind of thing. It's a word doc. I have my logo up in the the header. I have my contact details in the footer. The rest is all you know, a nice readable font with lots of white space. That's as fancy as it gets. Um, save it as a PDF. I'm not willing to spend more time or more money on it than I have to. I'm very, I was going to say cheap. I'll say thrifty. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if it's just that I'm jealous. I will actually openly put that out there. But some of these proposals I've seen, I guess it felt to me like all puff and no substance. So Mm. yeah, they looked beautiful and almost the beauty of them was distracting from the fact that really there was no real specifications in there. There was no real acknowledgement of the brief. Uh, The the costings were a bit sketchy. There was no terms and conditions. And it was like, it looks beautiful. What, what, what am I actually offering? And I, for me, I think we're maybe we're just old and boring, but the clean basic word document, it's feels more honest. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I I think the proposal needs to contain enough information so the price almost seems irrelevant. But we're copywriters, we need to sell with the words. That doesn't mean it shouldn't look pretty or it can't look pretty. Mm. But if there's no substance to the proposal, this is when it starts getting sticky and tricky and people start getting disappointed. And that's yeah, what we're going to be talking about. It gets socky and boxy. I mean, there are lots of softwares out there that will help you create sexy proposals. Um, a couple of my people in my group recommended, uh, uh, Carla Beth recommended Better Proposals and Sandra Muller recommended Newsy.com, which I've never heard of. So we'll put those links into the show notes. So, I mean, I think that's it, isn't it? Like it can be pretty, but I don't think the prettiness should detract from the content. You know, we're not graphic designers. Um, we are copywriters. And and so it's the skill, because you know, even with the first email and that proposal, you're still selling yourself, aren't you? You're Absolutely. Selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, this is the proposal is the sales pitch that you're not there for. 
Yes. So the words have to be persuasive. And as we keep saying, yes, it can, it's supposed to look professional. It's supposed to look good, but the substance has to be there. Yeah. And I think, I think that's it. So, you know, I think these are great and they're going to really help you sell your services. So, you know, lots of people will take my template from the Clever Copywriting School and sex it up, you know, more than just put their branding and they'll change the colors or they'll drop it in something else or they'll put a cover sheet on. Perfect. Make it your own, but it's got to cover the basics. It's got to cover, you know, who you are, um, what the brief was, the timings that, you know, all those bits, because also remember it's going to be passed around to different people in the business who've yeah. never met you and didn't get to have that conversation on the phone. So yeah. it's got to sell you when, as you said, sell you when you're not in the, in the rooms. So do you think there are any positives to sexy proposals or how do we do sexy proposals in a better way? Well, I think it's what we were saying. It's about, it's about the content. I think it's got to be branded. So it's got to feel like your document. So you've got templates, take them, but then give them your own look and feel. It's got to have your logo. It should use your own fonts. It should, you know, you can introduce colors into your headers and things like that. You can even use um, like little graphical elements as segment breaks and things like that. Like that's totally fine. When I started making quotes to clients, when I first started out, I had one page. Mm. Um, I had one line describing the project. I put the price in red, which is brilliant. (laughs) Was it in caps as well? Like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) underlined, double in red. And, you know, my conversion rate wasn't great. But when I (laughs) made it into this proposal for investment, which is something we talk about, then to be honest, I had to put my prices up twice in the first year because I got so busy. So it wasn't graphical. It doesn't need to be super graphic heavy because the graphics also add lots of size to the document. Mm-hmm. which can be a bit of a burden, um, mm-hmm. but there's still ways you can make make it look pretty. Yeah. I mean, also really, really petty, stupid thing is I know a lot of my clients like to print out the proposal to read and it, those really graphical ones kill your printer. But I mean, look, I think we're talking particularly about proposals, but I guess the, the, the thing that I wanted to kind of cover off was it's great to have a snazzy brand, you know, to have that beautiful Instagram feed, you know, to have spent a fortune on a, some kind of shoot for Instagram where there's a picture of you blowing confetti out of your hand and another of you against a bit of a graffitied wall. There's always a graffitied wall, isn't there? Always. And maybe you've got your arms crossed like this in front of it. Just Authority pose. That's mine. <laughs> Power stands. So it's all very well and good to do that and to have this beautiful brand and, and this you know gorgeous thing. But it's got to flow through to every aspect of your business. So mm. the reason this kind of came up is that one of the members of my um, new community, which is called Digital Master Chefs, who is not, who is a business owner, kind of approached a copyright. They'd seen them posting on Instagram, really cool stuff, really funky. And they were kind of, you know, it was the jazzy packaging. They were like, wow, this person is great, whatever. Um, but then the, and the, and then they got their, they had the briefing. The briefing was very brief. And they got the proposal and the proposal looked gorgeous. I mean, it was, she said it was the most gorgeous thing she'd ever seen. Do you know what I mean? But then mm. after that, it was all downhill. So the copy just kind of didn't really reflect anything they talked about. There was no discussion. There was minimal email. So she got her first draft of the copy with an invoice attached to the first draft of the copy, almost implying there was no room for changes or anything like that. The customer service and the kind of process didn't live up to the brand experience. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was and like, we're all about having boundaries and having strong processes, but mm. they have to be about delivering excellent service. And this is the crux of the whole socks in that sock in a box thing. You have to be able to deliver. And, you know, high 
price, high rates is what we're all kind of aspiring to because, you know, I know in my first year I heard about rates that some copywriters were charging and I was shocked, not because they were inappropriate, um, but because I thought I'm never going to be able to, I'm never going to be confident enough to say $1,000 for a homepage, thanks. But if you can, good luck to you. Um, Mm. And we're all working towards charging more so we can work less and we can earn more and all six-figure years and all that kind of stuff. But the important thing is we have to ask ourselves, can we deliver on that premium price tag and can our audience pay for it? Because we often hear, and we say it as well, oh, I put my prices up and I got super busy. And that does actually happen. But can our target audience keep affording our rate? Because the people who can afford it, they sure have high expectations, as they should. Mm. And that's the thing. And that's it. That, this is the thing. You know, so if you're going to have this snazzy brand, this beautiful Instagram feed, these gorgeous proposals, and you're going to charge a hell of a lot for like two or three pages, then you need to be able to back it up. And I think, you know, that kind of high rate, like you need to over deliver, you need to make people feel so good. And they come away from that project. It's not just about the copy, is it? It's about the way they feel. Did they enjoy the process? Did you make them feel good about it? Were they, did you listen to them? Um, Did you do good work? You know, because I think often we send off our quotes. Sorry, I hope you can't hear the crazy dog. Crazy dog. I hate you. Um, we send off quotes and we almost feel like we, when they, people say yes, we're like, oh, God damn it, I should have charged more. But I would always rather have that feeling than, oh, God damn it, I charged too much. Or, yeah. you know, getting to, because, you know, like it's that feeling, I don't want to charge as much as I can charge. I don't want to charge as much as I can get away with. Yeah. I want to charge the right rate for the job and, and feel good about it and have the client feel good about it. Because most of my clients, you know, over time, were not the big brands. You know, hey, look, I don't mind taking money off American Express, a huge corporate brand with greedy fat shareholders. Sorry, American Express. I didn't mean to pick on you. There are lots of companies like that. But when it's a small business owner and you know that this is their holiday money that they're spending or their kids karate lesson money I just morally find it a bit to kind of be going to try and push it to the limit I don't know absolutely and when I would put when I do like the pricing put the pricing together I would often go you know in my little spreadsheet this is how long I think it's going to take these are all the elements put it all together it come up with a total and I go oh gosh that that seems a lot. And I go, yeah. is it really going to take me that long? And, yeah. uh, you know, there's this whole thing about it's not how long it takes you to write the copy, it's the, the value you bring to the, the project. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all true, but at the same time, you're talking to a plumber yeah. or a nanny service or, you know, a mum's chef or something like, you mm. know, you have to be reasonable and you can't price yourself out of business. Yeah, and also if on on this whole delivery thing like you have to hit that delivery spot on because someone might pay that price once but then never come back to you and for me repeat it was always about the repeat clients because I don't have to market to those people also the mm. job is easier we know each other we've worked out all the process kinks they like me so you know high snazzy branding to get high pricing often doesn't lead to repeat customers is what I find um, yeah. and you know that to me is everything because in the long term, I will make more from that client than just by pushing it to the limit with my first prop 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and we're, we're looking at the process. I think the worst case scenario is you going, yes, they said yes to my proposal. Cha-ching, awesome. And then you're going, this project's going really well. They seem really happy. And then they walk away and you're like, I freaking nailed it. What's actually happening is they are crying to their friends about how much they just spent on a copywriter and they hate the copy because they're not just keeping it to themselves either. They're it's the kind of regret. Yeah, it's that buyer's regret. You know, when you have bought something snazzy and then, you're, and then you get it and you're like, what have I done? What have I done? Yeah. And I would never want a client to, f- to feel like that, you know. And Cognitive dissonance, by the way. Oh, get, get you with your fanciness. <laughs> so have you got any ideas of how you can make sure that your clients are having a high-end experience that matches your high-end? Right. Yeah, I think you've mentioned a few of them. Uh, I think having regular milestones and approval points through the process. So, you know, you've got pro- proposal approval, you've got the brief approval, you've got all your versions, version one, two, three, you've got the end of the project. You've got to be able to have checks and balances through the processes to to make sure that nothing takes you by surprise. And it's about checking in with your clients. You have to guide them through your process, but it's an opportunity to listen to them at each stage. And you might not ask the outright question, how are you feeling about your copy at this stage of the project? But listen to their voice, hear any concerns that they might be having, give them opportunities to tell you their concerns because they're probably going to feel super awkward and not know how to tell you. Um, And you might be able to do that by saying, at this stage of the project, I've had some clients feel like this. And that kind of gives them permission to go, oh yeah, actually, I was feeling a bit like that too. But the key is opening the door to a conversation, checking in regularly and actually listening to what they're saying. Yeah, I so agree. And it's something I talk about a lot with, with my students and stuff. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say this, I've said it before, but I'm not the best copywriter in the world, you know, shock. Um, but one thing I was very good at was the relationships because, it's mm. you know, it's all about the relationship and that kind of feel good factor that someone walks away and feels amazing. Because obviously with this whole, whole sort of sock in a box where you've kind of oversold your skill set, you've snazzed stuff up to lure people in and then you've disappointed, you're not getting the testimonials. You're not getting the word of mouth. In fact, as you said, you're going to be getting negative word of mouth. Word spreads quickly. In Australia, it's a small industry and, you know, and people talk uh, and, you know, everybody seems to know everybody. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're saying. I think we're, I'm not, we're not saying that you shouldn't charge high rates. We're not saying that you shouldn't have snazzy branding, but we're saying that if you're going to make big promises, be sure you can keep them. Yeah. Don't, over, don't oversell yourself. Like if you've been in copywriting for a year, you know, and you've only been doing it for a year, don't launch a course. Don't be charging eight grand for a homepage. I mean, you can get away with it because some people won't know, but it's just not ethical really you know Um, don't charge big bucks if you can't deliver and I think as well really be sure that your brand persona matches your own so that when someone moves from Instagram to your proposal to actually working with you that it is the same experience that you don't suddenly be like gorgeous and glamorous and lovely online and then they get to talk to you and you're scruffy and you're introverted and you don't want to say anything do you know what I mean yeah absolutely as well I don't want listeners to think that we're like, well, no one else is allowed to charge a good wage because it's all for us. Because, you know, what we're all about is helping copywriters reach their full potential. But it's just making sure, as you said, that you can 
over deliver and delight people. And that's not just from the proposal stage and the marketing, it's after you close the project as well. You know, it's following up with people, sending them little thank yous, touching base, all those little things will help keep people connected. Yeah, I think so. There you go. A bit of an odd episode, just something we wanted to cover off. I hope it was I'm really interested to know what you think of, of this topic because it kind of feels like we're being negative, but we don't mean to be. I don't know. It's just yeah. for something that struck us both. Anyway, thanks, Belinda. I'm going to read the outro now. Are you ready? Um, uh, regular listeners will know that at this time we like to read out a review of the show. And today we're giving a shout out to Debs407 from New Zealand. Love Kate and Belinda's podcast. I li- always listen each morning while walking the dog. I love that. I listen to podcasts when I'm walking the dog. While I'm not a copywriter, I do create content as a virtual assistant here in New Zealand. So find these gems invaluable. Thank you for such a great podcast. Oh, great review. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forgive, forgive, don't forgive, forget to leave us, ah, geez, to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Your review will help others find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show. And also don't forget to head to the hotcopypodcast.com website and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. So that's it. Thanks very much, Belinda. Good to be back again. Yes, I missed you, Kate. I missed you too. Until next time, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We've all been there. We are t- 